Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange, stories by leaders for leaders to help you to raise the bar on your own performance and to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's episode. Greetings, everyone. This is Hugh Ballou. Welcome back to the Nonprofit Exchange. Uh, for seven years, we've been interviewing interesting people that are very qualified to tell a story, to tell you about their expertise, and to share some really sound business principles that we and the for-purpose industry, it's not for-profit, it's for-purpose. We have to generate revenue to do our work, but it's important to install some systems into our organization so we can be more effective, more efficient, so more of the bottom line revenue goes to the impact that we want to create and, and the love of humankind, philanthropy is what, we, what we're all about. Have a special guest today, Ansley Fender, and we're going to talk about this, uh, how do we track grants? And there's a whole lot of stuff we're going to talk about in a short period of time. So sit down, get your notepad, put your seatbelt on, we're going to have a good time. So Ansley, welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange and tell people a little bit about you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, so I have a very interesting and varied background. Um, I spent most of my early life in the arts and in arts nonprofits. Um, and so I got really used to, you know, like, hey, we're going to do a fundraiser and you're going to be performing and, you know, just sort of how it ran internally and how money was raised um, through donations and through grants. And then um, I went to college for, for music and it didn't work out for a number of reasons from injury to like it being super stressful. So I, I decided to, to switch my major to, to nonprofit management, um, thinking that that would be less stressful. Totally not. But <laughs> um, and then went on to um, to do a master's in public finance. And so basically I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I know I really enjoyed finance. I really enjoyed nonprofits. And um, in the middle of grad school, I ended up um, having my oldest child and, and staying home with her for a while and sort of through happenstance ended up doing um, bookkeeping and financial consulting for nonprofits in my, my hometown. And it really quickly sort of exploded because I didn't realize there was this huge gap in services, uh, like financial services for the nonprofit industry, um, CPAs, grant managers, like all these other um, financial professionals were really geared toward the for-profit industry, which is just com completely different. Um, and so inside of a couple of years, I had become an accidental entrepreneur and, and had this business going. And that put me in front of a ton of grants. Um, I, you know, I knew this industry existed, but I didn't really know what it was all about. And coming from a more for-profit municipal finance background, I had a preconceived idea of how this funding was going to be managed. So I was very shocked that it was like just spreadsheets and like just very, very manual. And this was, you know, maybe seven years ago. And I started looking for ways to make it easier. Like there had to be a way to make it less expensive, faster, all these things. And there really wasn't. Um, and so one night I was just fed up with it. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to build software because that, that's probably not hard. Um, it is. Uh, but yeah, so I basically took everything I had learned and, and the, the clients that I had and other people that I had listened to, you know, talking about how difficult grant management is and built software based on their specifications. And yeah, that's how we got to here. That 
is a great story. There are many, many gaps in our industry, and um, this is good to learn about. I, uh, <clears throat> when I was in graduate school for conducting, I didn't, I stayed with music, even though I realized it wasn't going to be really financially beneficial, but I did have a business and I did music at the same time. But half of my lab chorus for choral conducting were computer programmers. And I said, this doesn't make sense. They said, sure it does. We have a unforgiving strat uh, system, very mathematical, very precise, and you have to be creative without violating that system. And so that's a light, right, left brain, but it's really um, our methodology in Center Vision is you've got to have a system in order to be creative. That's the container for your creativity. And this whole world of, of grant writing, it's a, it's a mystery uh, how to get grants, how to be a attractive to grant makers, how to track it. So there's a lot of moving parts here. And it's really, we must have some discipline with this finance. And, and many nonprofit leaders think money is a dirty word when we really need to put gas in this car so it runs. So talk right. a little bit about um, the grant management. You get a grant and then there's a reporting, there's a requirement for that grant. So talk about that's that's sometimes very difficult, but you're trying to make it more manageable. So talk about that process and how we spend so much time and money doing that part to report because that's mandatory. Right. So grants are very similar and very varied. Um, so typically it's money with a contract attached to it, like even from a very high government level down to the smallest community foundation grant. Uh, which is nice. So you at least know what you're getting yourself into. Um, the problem comes in with a nuance of the requirements. So there's about $3 trillion worth of grants going out every year. And, you know, you can get everything from, let me just know what happened when you spend our $5,000 up to, you need to report every month in order to get a reimbursement for funds already spent. Um, so regardless of, of what the reporting cadence is, you have to keep track of what you did with the money and you have to compare it typically to the budget that you set out in your grant proposal. So they want to know that you had an idea for how you were going to use this money and you weren't just making it up on the fly um, and that you actually did what you said you were going to do or if you had to do something different, why? So in the case of COVID, lots of people had to use their grant funds very, very differently. And, you know, those grant uh uh, those grantors weren't taking the money back. They were just like, you know, you need to still, like, if you want to still use this, that's fine. You just need to do it towards your mission and you got to tell us what you did. How did you pivot? Um, so really it's just, if you think about it, a, a lot of this, well, actually all of this grant money is either tax money, taxpayer dollars, or it's philanthropic dollars. So people just want to know that you are the best place to put their money. Um, because they have to report to someone else too. So if it's, if it's from a municipality or the federal government, they're reporting to the taxpayers. If it's from a community foundation or you know um, a business with a philanthropic arm, they're reporting to the people who gave them that money. So they're just trying to make sure that that everything is on the up and up. You know, it occurs to me while you're talking here that that ought to be the good the stewardship that's embedded in all of our finance, isn't it? Should be because <laughs> we're stewards of other people's money. To, and, and really what it's all about is the impact, the results. And really, if you go from impact forward, that's what attracts the dollars, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's, I think that's where 
nonprofit leaders think of money as a bad thing because they think of it through this very for-profit lens of we're trying to maximize something or minimize something else. And that's really not what you're trying to do in a nonprofit, obviously. You're trying to prove impact. You're not maximizing or minimizing widgets or profit. You are maximizing your potential to achieve your mission. So how, how are you doing that? Money is just a tool that you're using to help the people that you help. Um, so it shouldn't feel like very accounting-ish or like you're a CPA. You're really just proving what you did. As long as you can tell a story, you can get grant funding. Really? <laughs> I mean, in a, in a perfect world, sure. <laughs> we got, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty competitive, even though it is. there's a lot of money given away, there's money that's not given away. So let's go the... I got a lot of questions here, but let's go the reverse part of this. If you've got a system in place, and I want to talk about the specifics of the system in a minute, you've got a system of accountability in place. Does that make you um, more uh, more attractive to a funder? Absolutely. Um, it depends on the system that you have in place. Uh, so if you think about who's giving you money, this is where you really have to sort of put yourself in their shoes. If you're asking for money from a government entity, think about how much bureaucracy and red tape they're dealing with. You need to appeal to that. That's hard to do. If you're trying to get it from a community foundation, they're typically a little bit more lax on the bureaucratic side if they're a smaller community foundation. So they may not care quite as much, but really they want to see that you have checks and balances in place. Is the person entering the information into your accounting system also auditing you, also writing your grant funds, also taking money to the bank to be deposited? That's scary. That's where you're setting yourself up for someone to do something that's illegal or just unethical. So they want to see that you have a division of financial labor, that there are checks and balances in place, and that you are going to be a, a good steward of the money that they give you. So. They've, uh, especially for philanthropists, they've really worked hard to earn that money and they've learned how to attract it and it's important to them. So when they reassign that money to you, they want to know that you've got that discipline in place. So it costs money to administrate a grant. So we, we normally write that cost into the grant, the grant of the part of reporting, the administrative part. But it occurs to me that we could do better. So what are some ways we could do better? And tie that to, we try, try to do all the reporting through a spreadsheet or a QuickBooks. So how, what are ways we could do better? Yeah, so uh, a lot. Um, right now it costs about 20% of grant funding, funding just to administer the grant, which is a lot um, because it's so manual. So, I mean, I've done it so many different ways. Personally, I've done it through a spreadsheet. I've done it through QuickBooks really you just want to make sure that you're automating as much as possible so if you're doing it those ways um i wouldn't start with a spreadsheet i would start with your accounting software and take things out of your accounting software and dump it into a spreadsheet um if you know how to use you know some if function and other excel functions like that's your best friend because the, the problem you get into in a spreadsheet is that there's so much human error like potential for human error that you've entered in, into the equation. So that that's where the time consuming part comes in because you're having to check yourself so many times. Um, on the QuickBooks side, there's so many different ways that you can do grant management. And I've 
you know, tried to invent different ways for clients and things like that. Um, I'd say the least successful way is building it into your chart of accounts. So like having a separate income account for every grant and separate expense accounts for each grant, you're just making your profit and loss statement or your statement of income look massive. And the other thing you have to think is your board has to understand what's going on. Your donors have to understand what's going on. If they can't understand it, you're, you know, you're hurting yourself in other ways. So the easiest way is with classes and subclasses, um, you know, just have like a, a main class for, if we were talking about QuickBooks, uh, for the grant, and then you can have subclasses for um, the grant budget line items. But for a number of reasons, it's not super sustainable to do it that way either. The, the, the hard part with doing this with accounting software or a spreadsheet is that you're trying to make the IRS happy and your donors happy and yourself happy and your grant funders happy and your board happy. And you cannot make them all happy by altering your accounting system. So yeah, that's, that's where the time consuming part comes in. Well, and there's a um, integrity to your accounting system that's important. And you yes, did yes. point out some of the deficits where there's not compliance on who who requests the check and who writes the check and who deposits the money. We, we really need some systems in place where there's there's integrity in that, but also the, the, the basic accounting system and having interfaced with many, many boards, there are many, many boards that don't understand the, the financials. So we really need to keep it as accurate and as straightforward as possible so that they can do their job of approving right. our, our, our financials. So, um, so you got to a place where you said, I need something better. So when we, when we go to your website, your website is getatlas, A-T-L-A-S, solutions.com, getatlas, that's the name of the company, atlassolutions.com. So when we go there, what will we see? And then what is the benefit of having a separate software to do this? Yeah, so, I mean, you'll get a high-level overview of what the software does with some screenshots. We actually are going to be rolling out a new website pretty soon that'll have a lot more in-depth information. Um, but the the reason that we finally came to the, or I finally came to the conclusion that a separate piece of software was needed is exactly what you were just saying, the integrity of the books. There are, like, finances have to be done a certain way for the IRS to be happy, especially when you're trying to prove to them that you should be able to maintain your exempt status as a nonprofit. But the way the IRS wants to see your finances is not necessarily the best way for you to see your finances or for your grant funders to see your finances. So being able to take information, financial information out of your accounting software and manipulate it differently is really what needs to happen. And that's what so many organizations are doing with spreadsheets and things right now. It just creates so much extra time. So essentially what we did is we sat down with a bunch of organizations and said, what do you have to do for your grants from a high level? And we talked to grant funders as well. Um, you know, what do you want from people? And we basically came up with the, the most basic feature set that would appeal to both sides um, and that would, you know, check all those boxes. So essentially you can sync um, your accounting software with Atlas and it pulls in all your transactions. So you don't have to export them to a spreadsheet or manually enter any, anything. Everything's coming in. And then you're tagging all of your transactions with the corresponding funding source and funding source budget line item. So 
from a, a very basic level, it, it functions similarly to QuickBooks classes. The difference is, is that if you want to split a transaction differently, you can do that. It's not going to sync back to QuickBooks, so you're not altering your accounting software. So you can do whatever you need to do to make it make sense to you and your grant funders. Um, you also don't have that issue of like really weird, long P&L by class reports that you get in QuickBooks that are like unreadable. Um, but yeah, so that's um, that was the biggest like starting off point is how do we basically take what people are doing on a spreadsheet and just automate it with the click of a button. So um, tracking the dollars is really important. So we're also going to track the impact of the work, you know, what, what kind of was depending sure. on what the grant is. Um, so is, is there a way to build in this reporting in the work itself so that the reporting is a byproduct of actually performing whatever you're doing with the grant? Yeah, so there's a big push in the for-profit sector, especially in the startup sector, to track KPIs or key performance indicators or in the nonprofit sector, they call them performance metrics or program metrics. Um, and especially this wave of COVID funding, like that is built into the grant that you have to be very, very specific about literally the numbers of people that you help doing, you know, XYZ function. Um, and I'm a huge fan. I think everyone should do that, but that's something that's been really hard for nonprofits to do because a lot of it is self-reported um, or it's through, you know, paper surveys. How do you digitize a thousand paper surveys in a way that doesn't take forever and you can actually get meaningful information out of it? So we actually are in the process of building a feature. It's not out yet, but basically um, it will allow organizations or, you know, grant recipients to, to track these performance metrics in real time. So essentially you set up what it is that you're trying to track and you can actually create, um, a survey that then when people answer it, it will collect that data. Sort of like if you've ever used like Google Forms or Airtable or anything like that, it will pull that information in and then you can run analytics on that information. And so you can see, you know, how many people did we help? Was it successful? What did they say about this? What was the impact? And you can really get to the bottom of this, this data. The nice thing is you can also then take that data and put it on a grant report and it's all in one place. So that problem of, you know, some of it is in Google Drive or OneDrive or on my desktop or on a piece of paper or in Sally's office down the hallway, that's not an issue anymore. Everyone has access to the same information in the same cloud-based system. So I can hear now, uh, I, I work with lots of nonprofit leaders and they have excuses for not doing things, especially accounting. <laughs> I don't care if you're in the religious organization or cause-based charity or membership organization, there's some pretty consistent patterns. And so it's not really busy work. It's really your accountability piece. And it's the integrity of everything because we're basically managing other people's money. Exactly. And it does feel like busy work though, when it's all paper-based. And so like, I can see how that reasoning comes about. Like, well, I have a, a hundred of these surveys. It's busy work to enter this into a spreadsheet. You're absolutely right. That is busy work, especially when technology exists for you to scan all that and it be dumped into a spreadsheet and you immediately be able to run analytics. And so that's the thing is just bringing that industry into technology that exists in other industries, but that's just been severely underutilized in the nonprofit industry. Welcome to our world. 
So, Absolutely. so is there software that they, they could not use paper and get that kind of input that's digital to begin with? Yeah. Yeah. There's software now. Um, I mean, there are apps where you can literally take pictures of paper and it will dump it into a spreadsheet. And that's the thing, like there is so much technology out there already that if you just put the pieces together, you have really, really incredible grant management software. Um, you know, you can run it through a scanner and do, you know, a hundred in a minute. Um, and then it's just a matter. And, and this is like the, the thing I've had a lot of conversations with nonprofits where they're like, it, it feels like we just got left behind. You did. <laughs> the tech industry was like, I'm not, it's, it's hard to explain to people that have not been in the nonprofit industry that there's money to be made there. If you're a tech company that people really do need help but that nonprofit doesn't mean no profit. There is plenty of, of income going to nonprofits and they need help because they're understaffed and underfunded. So if you can offer them a solution that cuts out a huge chunk of that 20% loss on grant funding, they'll take it because the technology already exists. You just need to give it to them in a way that they can use it. That's fascinating. Um, so what are some of the classic mistakes that nonprofit leaders make in doing the accounting, the reporting and the tracking of the, the results from the grant? Reporting on only what you care about. Ooh. Funders care about very, very different things than people in the organization care about. Do I care about how many shoes you gave out? I really don't. I care about the impact of the shoes that you gave out. And so thinking like a couple of steps down the line, like shoes in and of themselves mean absolutely nothing. Did those people already have shoes? Were they homeless? Were they foster children? Like what was the actual impact of you doing what you did? What, like, is there another organization that does it better? Are you efficient? And, and so there are all these other, when you ask why a few times, like, why do you exist? Okay, well, we give out shoes, but why? Because people are homeless and cold. Okay, but why? that's when you really start to get into the impact. And so one of the things that I think nonprofits are starting to understand, but has historically have, have struggled with is how do you make the case that you are important in your community? Because if you like my town has like three homeless shelters, there's one really big one and there's others that are more niche, like for uh, like a battered women's shelter or, you know, different things like that is one better than the other. I don't know. Should one get more funding than the other? It's conceivable, but how do you prove to the city that you should be funded? If you can make that argument, you will be the one funded. And so really understanding how you fit into the larger picture and what other people care about is really the key to making, to, to telling an effective story, to make a good case for why you should get the funding over someone else. That. There's, folks, there's lots of really good sound bites here. Lots of things to write down and then take to your board because you need to be doing this. And really, the board doesn't understand how to be the board in many occasions. And the board is responsible for all of this. Ultimately, the, the board, all, anything financial, it, the responsibility rests on the board, governance and finance. So it's, it's so critical that we do this for many reasons. So we get really busy doing stuff that's not really productive it sounds like what you you've done in this area which you could do in a lot of other areas come this area <laughs> how do we then 
take all this stuff and put it into a manageable system. So we're not just chasing a lot of busy work around and frustrating volunteers or spending staff money when we really need the staff to be doing other things. Now, it's not saying this isn't important. Um, it's just a better way to do it. What are some other things that we haven't talked about in this whole uh, grant management and contract? You, you mentioned contract management somewhere. It's about grant, grant management, but you also have a con contract to do something else. So it's you've got to report on the terms of what the agreement was. And to your point earlier, doesn't matter what you care about. It's what the funder wants to see happen. So what are some of the things that, that people need to know about this? So, I mean, this is an industry that's been mostly unchanged for a long, long time. And grants are given out all over the world. And it's way behind technologically all over the world. And so there, there are a lot of, of companies, tech companies that are coming out now that are doing different things for nonprofits. And my fear, honestly, is that they're, they're, they're going to create a high-tech version of the problem. There's still going to be siloed data. Everything's going to be segregated. You're still going to have to go to 10 different systems to find the information that you need, which, okay, that's not any better than what we're dealing with now. I can open 10 different spreadsheets and that's free instead of paying, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for 10 different pieces of software. And so one of the things that, that I think is really important is taking a holistic, like high level view of what information needs to communicate with what other information, what, like, what is the, the big thing that we're doing and how does this all feed together? And so from, from a grant management perspective, you know, and, and a financial perspective, what do things look like three years from now? What kind of funding do we need? What kind of story do we need to tell? How do we need to potentially pivot? You know, if, if we'd been having this conversation two years ago before anyone had any idea what COVID was, you know, it might have less impact, but I, I sincerely hope COVID never happens again and that it ends soon. But if something like that were to happen again, and things like that happen in nonprofits all the time, economic downturn or, you know, something random happens, how do you adjust um, and, and how does that affect the funding that you need and the way your organization functions? I think just a lot of these, like, I, th I think the bush I'm beating around is how do you act more like a for-profit company that is constantly thinking about these things, that lives and dies by the bottom line? That's super, super important for nonprofits. I want people to realize I didn't prompt that comment. <laughs> We tell people you're running in a uh, for-purpose tax-exempt business and you're not creating profit, you're creating proceeds for good. Um, so we, we, we kind of paralyze ourselves, Angela, when we use the word nonprofit because we go into scarcity thinking for money and everything else. So I'm, I'm just trolling your website and I encourage people to go there. It's on the, it's on the podcast page, but it's getatlassolutionsaltogether.com. So you talk about um, at the the um, the um, syncing to the funders' calendars. So how do you research grants? And uh, so for for recipients, it automates grant searching. Uh, you got this seamless collaborative integration of outside software we talked about already, and then intra-organization collaboration tools. And then you, it's easy to print reports. So talk about that grant research process. 
Yeah, so we're, we are in the process of testing an AI feature. And I know AI is like the weird, like stepchild of, of tech that like no one really wants to touch. Um, but it's really incredible. And, and I think it's going to be game changing for, for the grant management sector or just the grant sector in general. Um, so basically, I had a hypothesis that we could get rid of manual grant searching. Like, is that possible? And, you know, get rid of being subscribed to a hundred different listservs that are constantly spamming you with every grant application that you don't qualify for. And so basically what we're doing is saying, okay, if I know about your organization, if I know what you do, where you are, all of that demographic information that everyone cares about in a grant application, then I should be able to predict the likelihood that you qualify for something. And, you know, the other thing that takes a ton of time in searching for grants is reading these RFPs. Some of them are like 20 pages long and you get halfway through page 19 and you realize you don't qualify for it because of some random clause buried in paragraph five. That's so frustrating because you just burned, I mean, probably four hours at this point actually looking for it and then reading it. So thanks to the magic of AI, computers can read those RFPs in a matter of seconds. So we we're basically building a grant database crawler. So the first thing we do is we crawl these grant databases, public, private, community foundations, all sorts of things. And then we rapidly read these RFPs. And then we take the information about the organization that's our customer and we send them an email saying, hey, we looked through this grant RFP and we think you qualify for this. And we think there's an 80% chance that you qualify. And then the person who, or the organization that receives that email can decide, okay, 80%, do I really want to try that out? Um, and then they can go look themselves. And the nice thing is, is the, the more users we get on the platform, we collect, um, I mean, I don't want to say, we don't collect people's data. We, uh, the, the system aggregates data on where are you getting your funding? So are you getting it mostly from the federal government or do you have a 0% success rate getting it from the federal government? And basically taking all this data, we can say, okay, we have this $1 million federal grant that you do qualify for, but you've never gotten a federal grant before, even though you've applied for 10 of them. Should you even apply for this one? And that, that cost benefit analysis of, you know, it's worth this much money, but it's going to take this much time to apply. And we have this percent chance of getting it. We're trying to automate that information. So you can know immediately, yes, we should apply. No, we shouldn't to save that time because there's not a guarantee that you're going to get everything you apply for. So that's the kind of work that we're doing with, with that feature that you just referred to is where I'm from, from a long view perspective, I'm basically saying, let's question everything. Let's question the way we find grants. Let's question the way we apply for grants. Like for instance, could there be a universal grant application? I don't know. There's one for college applications. Could there be? And so like the, all of these things that nonprofits have just had to get used to, should they have to get used to them? I don't think so. And so that that's the direction we're pushing is how, how much can we revolutionize this industry to make it as easy as possible for organizations that are doing good work in an efficient and effective way to get more funding. This is all so great. So great. Ashley Fender, this time has just gone whoosh. So I want to encourage people to go to your website, get 
atlassolutions.com. Check it out. Um, there's so much good stuff here. There's so much good stuff that we don't know how to do at this level of efficiency because we think it's really hard. Uh, and actually, we make it a lot harder than it ought to be. So, Ashley, you've you've done a great service by doing this, and you you're so uh, articulate about sharing the value of it. So, thank you for being our guest today. As we end up <clears throat> this really informative session, what's a thought or a tip or an idea that you'd like to leave people with today? I think the biggest thing is grant funding in 2022 and moving forward is going to be based on economic development. Um, that's a, a big push that's been happening, especially in municipal governments. If you can prove that you are important for your local economic development initiatives, that's where the funding's at. Go to your city, find out how to be essential, and get, you will be written into their grants if you can make a good case for that. That's where grant funding is going to come from next year. Ashley Fender, you heard it right here. Thank you so much <laughs> for being our guest on the Nonprofit Thank Exchange. You. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.